Do you have a backlog of customer interviews that you'd like to turn into case studies? Digital Sunshine Solutions can help. Give us your interview recording, customer information, and your messaging, and we'll create the narrative for your case study. For an extra charge, we can format the case study for you or even do the interview. Visit digitalsunshinesolutions.com for all the info. Welcome to the Tech Aunties Podcast, where we're bringing you industry context and vision from myself, Angelia McFarland, and Gina Rosenthal. On each podcast, we will share our marketing and technology industry experiences along with the tea. Listen to us as we explain the past so you can have context to understand and create your own version of the future. So let's get into it. Hey, Angelia. Hey, Gina. We're doing season two. Yeah, I'm excited. You got through the hot, hot summer. I don't think we're finished, but yes. It's false fall, so we can have false fall. We'll have to ask our guests if they have false fall years. Um, but let's just get to our, our guest. Our guest is Phil Cote. Um, he is the CTO at EdgeGap. He's been the hosting industry for the last 20 years. He's had roles from technical manager, architecture, I'm sorry, from technical architecture to senior managers. He's been at companies like SAP, CGI, IBM, and has built multi-million dollar hosting facilities. And now he's at EdgeGap and he's helping game studios build games around microservices, leveraging Edge Computer computing. I can't talk this morning. <laughs> so, hey, Ed, hey, Phil, I can't talk. hey, Phil, how are you doing today? <laughs> Long I'm time. Good you. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, we have false fall <laughs> in Austin and in the South, basically. Do you guys have false fall in Canada? Uh, no, no, we don't. No, we don't. It's, Canada uh, it's invented, pretty cool now. They invented fall. Yeah. Did, that's probably <laughs> much, is it cool there? Yeah. It's starting to be. Uh, but it's 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 it, the summer has been weird this this year. I, I think you probably heard about all the the forest fire. That yeah, got, yeah. Uh, oh, you haven't been. Um, I didn't realize in Quebec too. Yeah. Oh wow. So it, it was crazy. I would say the the amount of smoke and the smog that we have oh, uh, all around the, uh, the so the and there was so much rain. It's kind of awkward saying that we had forest fire and rain. Yeah. Um, I think it was the the. the the worst summer uh, since my, since I'm, I'm living here, uh, it's that that the um, that the, the the weather is so wet. It's like it's just raining every day for oh, the past. Wow. Uh, we needed some you know. of that. We haven't had. This is a, it's <laughs> raining the last couple of days. We haven't had rain in months. So okay, so it's all here. Yeah. <laughs> the grass is pretty That's green why. outside. All of our rain is in Canada. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Share. I see how it is. This is you're actually. We could send it back. Okay, we want it. Send it back. <laughs> um, you're actually our first international guest too. So yeah, else that's awesome. States. Thank you. Woo-hoo. Breaking things. Where's my flag? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have it. Honestly, um, so you know I've known you for a while, and I, the little blurb I read really doesn't encompass. I don't think what you've done. 
and with your career. So um, because you when I met you, you were maybe at the end of doing virtualization in in data centers, but you were you know pretty expert at that. So what what got you from being a, a technical architect to being the CTO of a really good startup? Um, the, the the transition was done uh, a while back. Like one of my friends, I don't know if you remember Andre. Yep. Um, Andre used to be my used to be my boss and my friend. So uh, and at some point he said, "Phil, I got like the team was growing around me uh, for everything that was um, data center build out and infrastructure and operation." And he says, "I need a manager to make sure that this team is going to be like well maintained and everything." And he says, "You have two paths. It's either you're staying on the architecture side or you're taking the manager role." And that's, that's when the, when I shift at, um, at Ibris, we were building, um, data center to host e-commerce, uh, uh, stores. Okay. So that was one of the, that, that's what I did the, the switch from being a technical guy to, uh, the manager. And to be honest, when you have a manager that understand what's the, um, uh, what, what's their day to day life makes everybody's life easier. Uh, he's yeah. not overselling. He's not making the, um, the decision that like will get your team uh, in the in in the burnout section or just like, so I think it's it's a great mix or a great path to uh, to get to this uh, this 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 uh, this journey. Right, and you're obviously still technical because you're the CTO at EdgeGap. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about EdgeGap and what kind of what how different your role is now than it, than it was before? Yeah, <clears throat> the but yeah. The, the the job at the last one before I quit SAP, um, I was managing data center around the world again for uh, web hosting, um, which was spanned like in all continent. We I think we have like fourteen or fifteen data center just solely for um, for ecom. Um, and crazy story, we built data center in China and in Russia. Oh wow! So it's uh, wow. So the it, that's a different experience. Uh, if you, I bet. you never, <laughs> if you never tried to do like, uh, building, building something from Montreal to China, like all the rules to actually get everything in place, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> we should probably do that podcast. That would be a good podcast too. Uh, I got, I got so many stories, uh, Gina, to, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I worked with China and uh, when I was at VMware from like a, from a product perspective and it's, it's an education. Yeah. That would be a good podcast. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, actually Matthew, uh, the founder of edge gap is my neighbor. Uh, so at some point you just start talk talk to me about the the edge. He says ah, it's something coming. Like the edge is 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 um is uh is the is the evolution of data centers. I, I keep saying like we when we started like uh, business, uh, everything was like in in our own company. We were building data centers inside of a closet uh, in your. Yeah. Uh, in your factory, in your building, like the print server was on site. There was nothing like was remote. And at some point we start shifting towards, um, the, uh, the, the data center, the cage, we were building cage and data centers. And after that, we said, ah, bigger and bigger. And that's what we said, nah, the cloud is something. And now we're going back to bringing the workload closer to where the people are because, uh, like the internet is is awesome. Like we, we brought the internet to a point that speed is not uh, an issue anymore. But that little fraction of a tiny second of the, the latency that we are suffering, and I'm saying suffering because all of my clients are like 
putting their 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 server within SGAP because they feel they they know that the um, the experience will be better if the server is closer to you. And that's what we built. We built an orchestrator uh, that is making smart decisions. And the other challenge with Edge, um, as you probably know, the like when you're saying, okay, I'm going to deploy a server in US East One. So US East One is a humongous data center. So the data center will be there. The decision is easy. But when you say, I have a thousand sites span across the US, then the decision is not that easy anymore. It's not like US one and you will deploy the server there. He says, okay, I need to do something more than just saying the server will be uh, serving the customers from there. You need to do, uh, we're doing live telemetries on the players. We're doing geolocalization of the players just to know where they are yeah. and try to uh, focus the deployments around where they need to be. And once we got the um, the deployment running, then we serve the customer for the time it needs. But that's the thing about like edge. It's not something that you can like use to work to to spin up workload for weeks, months. It's gonna be very ephemeral. You're just gonna start your game, gonna play it. Once it's done, you delete it, and you the other locations will be um, will be uh, chosen. Okay, so like I'm push pause just a second. I'm gonna check on Angelia because Angelia does the marketing. She runs like we talk. We talk marketing. We talk tech. So my tech is my site. So I get everything you said. Do you have any questions about what he just said? Are you good? No, I, I, I. So not so much a question, but I did want to. As you were talking, I was thinking about small businesses and entrepreneurs, and there are a lot of tools out there, um, and and m- most. Subject matter experts aren't able to set up a CDN on their own, but in AWS, you can set up a CDN. However, what you said about the telemetry and the geolocation, I believe that most smaller businesses understand that they want to do, they want to get the information closer to their customers, but those tools are still and and I'm this is a question I'm not saying yeah. that the question is is are those tools still too complex for a small business owner who's a subject matter expert in whatever whatever area they're in to be able to understand how to locate their information in an optimal way and before you, before you answer, yeah. I also want to make sure you talk about kind of who your customers are, because I don't think we talked about that in the very first, who okay. EdgeGap customers are and how her okay. question will be answered. Yeah. Yeah. The So the our customers are game studios. So we're, we're, we're uh, <clears throat> let's say you're starting a game. So once you're, once you're going and you find your, you, you the title. Let's let's talk about. Uh, I don't know. Game X Y Z because I I, I don't want to name uh, uh, specific customers. But you're gonna go there. The first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna be in a matchmaker. Matchmaker is saying that we can play together because we're the same level. Uh, I will have fun because if I'm playing against someone that is too uh, too good, uh, then it's just gonna come into the game and beat my. Ass. 
So I like will my not brothers did. That's why I don't play a lot of games because my brothers did that to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, sure, here's your, yeah. your turn now. And they were just like, that's not fun. It is not fun. <laughs> so, so the matchmaker's role is that. So once we get a match of people like that, the request that is sent to EdgeGap is just saying, Gina and Gina and Phil want to play together. That's the only thing you send to EdgeGap. So you don't need to pick your location. You don't need to do all of this magic. We are doing all of that. And what I'm saying, us, is just that you put your ID, the IP address or the geolocalization of the player, and we're doing our magic. So there's no selection from your side to say, oh, I need to do this, that. No, no. It's just plain simple um, a, a decision that's being orchestrated. So it's a simple API call that you're doing to our service. And the response that we will tell you is the... Um, it's the, the, the actual IP address or the FQDN of your game to connect. So simple as that. And that API so call is to, is to the gaming application. So as a, as a gamer, I don't have to, I don't have to even understand that. You will not see it. But what if I'm a small, do you service smaller? So I noticed you didn't, you didn't name, but I mean, I can, we all know different types of games and, and who your customers probably are. But um, if, if I was a entrepreneur and I was trying to create a game uh, and would, is, is that your market? Do you, do you have offerings for small and medium businesses? And we uh, right now uh, in our portfolio of customers, uh, the public one, we have, um, we have a musician that is doing live practice. Oh wow! And oh, cool. in order to do to do, um, and they're doing like uh, you can look them up. They they call Sing Space. They are making. Um, they actually started during COVID, so they were doing a lot of private show, and everybody was in their home. But they need to have low latency to actually play the music together. Um, and we were orchestrating the game, and I think his business moved towards something more like teaching. So he's doing some remote. Teaching, it's actually offering a service for teachers and students to actually start playing together with low latency, so that they can get like uh, uh, on the same track and they can play the music together. Just something that Zoom cannot offer. Let's say. Wow, that's an that's innovative cool. solution. Yeah, um, like on games, we have uh, games that are just regular like web games. Uh, that the reason why they came to to Edge Gap is not because of the lag; it's just because of the the shared distribution of servers that we have around the world. Uh, and let's say you're, we want to play a game that is, will be some, there's a component that for multiplayer, the, the games needs to be, I was somehow low latency, but you need to have servers all around the globe. Uh, we have servers as uh, clients that are indies. So like one, two, three guys working in the studios. Um, we have uh, games that are like, hundreds of developers working on them. So uh, I would say it's kind of a span of everything. So we don't discriminate any uh, size of business. Uh, our platform is a self-serve. So you create an account, you uh, uh, you go on the uh, on the platform, uh, you create your, or you actually use a container, you push it to our platform and we do the magic. Wow. Do you... Do you replace and I'm you didn't name names, so I'm not going to name names, but Gina and I like to name names. Do you do you replace a service like an AWS or if I'm a um, 
if I'm developing an application and I want to use EdgeGap, would I develop it on AWS and then create a container that I then send to EdgeGap? Or would I just go straight to EdgeGap and say, hey, I, I know I need distribution off at the at the beginning. I'm just going to go to a leader in, in distribution. Exactly. So the the like one of the, the providers that I'm using underneath uh, our, our offering is AWS. Right now, I'm orchestrating 17 providers around the globe. So the you might end up into an AWS data center if this is the right decision for that deployment. So yeah, the the the, the answer is yes. We take the customers from the beginning. You do your local. Um, now I'm looking more at Gina. You're doing your local dev on your laptop, and once you got your 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 server running, then you just push it to EdgeGap, and it's be de- it's going to be deployed where it needs to be uh, in the world. That's uh, cool for that that duration. So I, I, yeah, it is. It's super cool. I told you I love EdgeGap. I think that yeah, awesome. you just took all of the pain out of figuring all that out for me because you 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 do it. I love yeah, that. So exactly. Let's, let's do. I want to go a little bit deeper because you've said containers a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, kind of what changes in architecture? Because, like, like I said, when we met, we were both doing VMware, and we understood the three tier applications and what we needed, and virtualization was it. Although all, both of us were kind of moving <laughs> to off of it, although I couldn't. But, yeah. in, but anyways, so what is to, to make the type of distribution that EdgeGap's able to do, um, what does that take from a technical perspective, from an architecture perspective? What has changed in the last really 10 years, right, to make these mm-hmm. things happen? It's... Uh... <laughs> It's stable. <laughs> let's, let's, go, let's go back to basic. Like the first one, probably when we start looking at Kubernetes and like you, you need to be uh, like working day and night just to keep the cluster alive. <laughs> uh, so this is one thing that evolved and changed. Um, and like, like you said, like when we were trying to move out of VMware, we had something that was pretty stable. Yeah. And we moved towards something that was shady. Um, so I was about to say something, but I I just remembered we're recorded. Um, (laughs) good job. (laughs) Less work for us. Appreciate that. (laughs) And the, and like I said, as a manager or as, as, as a technical people, it was an art sell. It was almost impossible to sell saying, okay, uh, you were going to your CDO and just say, oh, I got a great idea. The pod's going to scale up. Down's going to be magical. We will have no downtime anymore. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to be patched. That was the theory. And right. the, the practice was, it was always down. It was always, the certificate was not syncing right. The uh, the ingress was not serving the right content. The Everything was just a, a, a cluster. So, <laughs> so I think that what changed. Uh, right now, like the underlying infrastructure of EdgeGap is all microservices. So we are patching at Tuesday morning at two o'clock in the afternoon or after in the morning. Uh, uh, so it's it's not we're not like waking up Saturday night just to wake up and patch servers. So that's a good thing that changed. Yeah. Um, and the the everything that I'm running around the globe is uh, micro clusters. So it's Kubernetes that is spinning up pods uh, everywhere. So that's that that what changed, and it's stable. And so microservices, do we need to talk about that? Are you good? I was going to interrupt and say (laughs) that for the marketing professionals, because microservices are really important, but I don't think most people really understand what they are. 
microservices is a, a pod that will do one thing. So uh, remember like the, the old days we were building like, you know, saying the three tiers application and my VM that I was spinning, which VM was a lot better than uh, the bare metal before, but the, the VM was bringing some kind of an application that was running with the backend. Um, and what we build or what we, uh, right now it says, uh, I'm just going to show you like uh, something. I need logging in my application. Then I will have one pod. One pod is one container that will serve that purpose only and only this pod. The good thing about it is it's stateless and I could stack them up so I could have replica uh, to uh, to serve that purpose if that purpose needs to be uh, scaled up. Uh, a VM, we didn't have that luxury. Uh, we could scale up, but that was a cluster and it was like bringing a lot of more complex thing uh, because the the, the, the structure or the, the way that we, it was built, it, it was not the same. Um, it, it was not the same architecture. So, so I want to, I, I, I don't want to take up time. Oh, sorry. I don't want to take up time on the podcast, but um, I think that is so critical from a, from a marketing perspective, the benefit of having an architecture like that to the end customer. There's a lot. And, and and we'll try to put it that. in the notes. Let's put it. Okay. Let's talk about it in the notes. But um, I'm sure they have a blog post or two that they've talked about. That would be great. We'll we'll link to one of the Edge Gap blog posts. But, but okay. talking about that, like when, um, so you guys have been, how long has Edge Gap been around? How long? When were you We're actually going to be five years old in uh, November. Woo, oh, congratulations. congratulations. That's very good. Yeah. It's, very good. The, it, the, the, it's usually the, the, the metric of a startup saying that, uh, it's it, we're gonna make it, so we're pretty happy. <laughs> I think y'all are gonna make it. Y'all are great, but like making it means. You, you, did you have customers that were coming to you saying, "All right, all of our games are microservices now. Help us get it to the people so they can play and have a great experience." Or did you have to convince them, like, "Man, you've got to change your architecture, and this is what will happen, and it'll be great." The first meeting that I was doing, Gina, was all around that explaining containers, explaining uh, how it should be working, how it was not VMs anymore. It was not Windows anymore. Yeah. <laughs> the, I would say Windows, it's been, I've been here for four years now. The All of this, the journey is, it used to be like we were walking in the place as, okay, you're going to run your game server on the edge, close to your player, and they will be running on Linux into a container and we will take care of the rest. The game developer were looking at me with like, what are you talking about? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. I got a good understanding on how computer works and how server works. So trust me, it, it will work. And we have a couple of, 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 uh, of big titles that actually change the underlying structure of their uh, dev work and uh for the better because that's something that that you hear less and less and less like the uh the server or the the the, the game is going down for four hours for a patch yeah and yeah this is You're something right. that 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 we used to we used to face like it was and, and this is something that container brought container you just like deploy and if you're using edge gap is going to be even easier then you will just say i need uh, within your request, I was telling earlier the API request. I'm going to need um, 
game XYZ version three. And we will deploy that version of the container where it needs to be. And at the same time, you can have another customer that didn't upgrade his client and he needs version two. So this one will get a version two server of a. So you guys can do. So what, what's the, the mechanism to, to recognize that, that you've got two customers matched up on different versions? So you guys help with that determination. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah. It's when your matchmaker is going to do the, the decision saying that we should play together. Within the decision, you just add, like, they're on client two, I'm on client two, then we have a match and we're at the same uh, level for uh, for our strength in, uh, in the game. And that will deploy the server needed. And let's say I'm updating my client. The next game, I will be with client people that match my profile and the server will be uh, spun up. Okay, that's pretty cool. I didn't know it did that too. Um, yeah. So we're talking about these so containers, rebuilding, um, rebuilding applications so they're not monolithic and they are microservices. So you can upgrade one piece at a time very quickly and simply. Exactly. So are these? Uh, I'm gonna ask this question. I'm ask you another question after that. But like, are these requirements <laughs> to have to be on the edge? That type of architecture. It's it's a good it's a good question. Um, is it a requirement? I would say no. Okay. It's not a requirement. However, if you want to survive and you want to leverage the power of the edge, uh, yeah, it actually comes into uh, into uh, a requirement. Okay. So uh, what what do you think the, the edge is then? This is a golden. But we're going to ask everybody this because <laughs> this season I'm talking to all, people just about edge. So, yeah. and okay. I I know this because I'm on another podcast where. I have a hard time defining it. So I want to hear your definition. What is the edge? The edge is an abstract concept. <laughs> um, no, it, it is because okay. what, 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 what we, um, I don't know if you saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, we published um, uh, a blog post uh, about, uh, we, uh, we made a partnership with uh, Colt in UK to deploy on, on the edge. Oh, I did um, see that. And the, I don't know if you saw the picture, I can send it to you. Uh, it's actually a phone booth. It looks like a phone booth. It's a brown phone book in the middle of the street. So some people would say this is the real edge. Um, a phone booth? So it's, ser- yeah, it's, it's servers right in the middle of the street. I see. So you, you go on Google map, you can actually see there's a brown box and there's servers in there. Okay. <clears throat> So people will say this is the edge, but let's say you are living next door to an Amazon data center. Let's say in Montreal, uh, like right, right downtown, there is a Google and AWS data center. Yeah. Just when you're living downtown, is the edge Amazon? Okay. Would be your edge. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because the, the edge is a server that is close to you. And if we want to go even further than that, uh, what I think the edge will become is right now we're still we're still dealing with edge, uh, and that's my uh, now you can put sparkle around my head. That's my uh, uh, in French called passé magique. It's the <laughs> um, the uh, the magic thinking. It, I think the edge will be at its uh, at its summit when we will start treating edge as a data center. So what, let me explain that. Okay. I think the edge will become something that we will have in our ops. 
Um, right now, uh, I got 1.5 uh, gigabyte uh, internet services at my place. I don't need that. No human on earth need that. And what I what I see, and, and the guy when he installed me says, "Oh, we're getting ready to put 10 gigs between you and me. 10 gigs in my house for uh, watching Netflix. I think it's overkill." But <laughs> what I'm what I'm saying in that is that that modem can be twice as big and could have like uh, two, three cores and a bit of RAM, not all of our drive because you don't really need to do that address over there, but you have a computing um, servers in your home. And if you think about that, Gina, the, the, the server will be uh, hosted into a house. So there's no cooling, there's no security involved, there's no all of those uh, those paradigm that needs to be done for a data center. Um, if it goes down, it goes down. It's gonna just gonna be a node. So the node's gonna be restarted somewhere else, um, and you don't need to pay for electricity for it. You don't need that. Again, it's just like, and we have all we everybody have internet right now in their own. Right. And if we're going to those <laughs> level of saying that we have like ten gig connection, then you could have like easily uh, 40, 50 container running into your house and you don't even notice. Like it's going to be QoS based on your providers says exchange oh. saying, okay, a bit like, a bit like the, 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 um, you get that in the States or the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the internet grid. So uh, not the, internet, mm -hmm. the electricity grid. Uh, we don't have it so in Texas. You, we don't have the internet. Okay. Yeah. So, but tell us about it. But, <laughs> but you have like the you know, pa solar panel on your house. And if you're overproducing, you can, Send back your uh, your excess on the on the uh, on the electricity network, right? We do have that in Texas. Oh, well, they don't have it in okay. Travis County. You can't sell it back. Oh, really? Did you know that? No. Okay. <laughs> but yes, I, I know. Okay, what you so mean. I'm being a smart. You know this. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so the so I think the 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 the, the future of edge that's going to be it. So the we will have tons of nodes that will be uh, all managed by a central one that we will have the ability to start running process, really quick process everywhere in everybody's house. And I think that will be the real edge. I think uh, that's really interesting because the way I'm thinking of it, so I have like an older smart TV and I don't have cable. So I, you know, I probably pay as much as cable because I have all the services. But I have to be careful now with this TV because there's only so much space on it and it doesn't mm -hmm. work. Sometimes I have to un and saw one and because it's older it's years and years old so are you saying that instead of doing this on my tv that i would have microservices sent to me from um hulu or disney or whatever and that's how i would subscribe i would subscribe and on this um i guess not cable modem you said that's yeah. where they would send the microservices that i needed to to watch disney kind of uh, or let's say uh let's say you would play a game and a platform like EdgeGap would orchestrate all of those devices. So you would, your own would you be, you would be there. And if you're not leveraging, like the QS would take care of, like always giving you what you paid for. But let's say your neighbor could be playing, um, playing a game onto the server that is also hosted in your in your living room. Oh, uh. because that again, it's 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 a network. It's a network. It's it's the edge. It's the real edge. So the server in your house will not be only for your use; would be for your neighborhood. I see. I see. That also support. I, I 
there, I've, I've heard talk about that bef- as well. There's also a, um, a that also helps with redundancy, right? So mm-hmm. in the in the event of a, a catastrophic event, and let's say because there's redundancy built into that network, so if mm-hmm. my neighborhood goes down because there's redundant nodes around me. Um, I still have access to the things that I would have had access to had my node not been in this instance, let's say it's it's a hurricane, my node's now destroyed. Yeah. I'm still my information, my data, my access is moves to the next closest available yeah. node. Yeah. Um and so it the compute part of it, yeah. It completely changes um I I don't want to say it completely changes. It's absolutely an evolution. But I wanted to interrupt just quickly from the marketing people (laughs) is that our definition of edge is non-technical and our definition was extracting value at the point of need. So so it's this so it is and we we went way high when we tried to define it. Because we knew that things were continuing to happen. And so the point is always changing. So the point of need is going to change as the technology changes and the ability to, to give to give either the company or the person value, whether they're in their home, whether they're across the country, wherever they are, you're, it, it, what Edge does is it gives them the ability to extract value w- wherever they are. And that was, that was bring, how... Bring the compute closer, yeah. That's how bring we the compute where it needs to it. be. I like it. I like it. So I have one more question. We're going to have to start wrapping up then. Um, so those customers that you had to walk through actually becoming, you know, getting their, their, um, to containerizing and into this new architecture world. Once they got those basics down and they did it, what kind of, did that open up opportunities for them? Or did, I, I think you talked about one of them, actually the patching, but what other kind of things did, um, changing the architectures and the basics of edge have helped your customers? Is it- I got one idea in mind, uh, Gina. It's DDoS. Like, oh, okay. People are getting into servers and they say they need to put a fortress in front of it. And because you're protecting, like, let's say, uh, when the game, a uh, popular game, maybe will have 10 sites today. And those 10 sites will be uh, spawned across 10 data centers. But if you are, a wise guy, and you're starting to DDoS one of them, there's some mechanism to to filter the traffic. However, um, you will impact a full data center. Yeah. But when you are using a technology like ours, we have 550 data centers right now serving all of our matches. <laughs> you need to be pretty lucky. And <laughs> the way that our system is built, it's it's going to be scaling up and down the instances based on the traffic on each site. So let's say um, let's say Dallas is being hit, one of my data center in Dallas, because I got five or six right now, one of them is being hit right now by DDoS. What you will impact is maybe five, six games of that given match. So there's no like outage that you need to announce. Right. Those five, six players will just get disconnected 
I will detect it. I will kill the node, and the players will just start back their 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 game, their matchmaker, and they will connect to another server in Dallas, and they will keep playing like there was no nothing happened. That's pretty interesting. So you kind of just eliminate that eventually. Maybe that is one of the things that will go away, which makes sense because the yeah. other technology was so everything was so, together so in one place. Yeah, centralized, yeah. right? Everything exactly. was centralized into one 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 uh, one data centers, and the cloud, like US East One, is is humongous. It's yeah. it's <laughs> it's half of the world that is there, and we see it when there's an outage. Like half of the stuff that we use on a daily basis is just start working. Yeah, interesting. So the, and the edge is bringing that value also, and and it's not because we. We built something around it. It's just by the distribution. Engineering. That's the engineering of it that changes it. Yeah. Yeah. And like right now, I'm orchestrating 17 providers. And our goal is to go to thousands, thousands of data centers that will be spun up in everywhere in the world. So the... That's awesome. Let's say if you want to start to do a DDoS, it's probably going to cost you more money to (laughs) do the DDoS than the actual uh, benefit. Than the ransom. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Exactly. On my side, I will just start killing servers and rebuilding. So everything is orchestrated in the back end. So there's, I got no human in the back end taking a decision to start or stop a server. It's just right. like the machines doing a, everything based on node. Can like we it. ask a question about AI here? So last season like was AI. And a lot of the things that you are talking about, um, can you talk about? your edge gaps use of AI and and is edge gap using AI in innovative ways that other people aren't using it? We're doing machine learning. So this is how we're detecting trends. We're not doing uh, AI by itself or just like the, uh, uh, the, the, the robot edge just taking the decision. No, <laughs> for us, everything is, is, is data driven. Um, so everything that is happening in all of our servers around the world is being gathered back into uh, a, a database and everything is based out of thresholds. So there's, I would say right now it's machine learning. Uh, however, uh, we have some projects internally just to develop that um, that AI mechanism so that we can take better decision. If we can take the decision before, because right now we're doing live telemetry, but if we could um, if we could do the decision before it's actually happening, then we're saving time. Uh, and maybe I didn't say that at the beginning, but when we're taking a decision of saying, okay, I'm going to deploy a server in Dallas, uh, data center four, let's say you send me the request and I got your server up and running within three seconds. So it's pretty quick also wow. that we built it. But if we can manage to do the decision based on AI, then we're probably going to be able to shorten that decision to one or two seconds and the server will be up and running. So is that, because I know that one um, one use case you guys had was of the, like a middle school getting out and everybody turning on their phones. It was, the, did you guys, is that kind of the, is that machine learning that did that or is it that just pure analytics? Pure analytic, but the yeah, that's one of the goals that I'm, that's I, I didn't remember to talk to you about this one. That's something that we want to start doing with the uh, the AI. So start planning ahead. Let's say um, uh, the weather is bad. 
uh, in Texas or it's like it's raining outside. We will have more players in those locations because uh, the, 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 the weather says that it's going to be. And it, we see there's big trends like when the, uh, the weather is not good, we have more players yeah. and it's, we see the number. It's just like it's going uh, way higher. But if we manage to pre- get servers up and running before because we need to scale up the platform, uh, it's going to be um, even better for uh, that's That's what, that's one of the use cases that we want to do for AI. That would be pretty cool. What do you think? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, we need to wrap up now, but we want to do tea time real quick. So our podcast is called the tech aunties and you're a gray beard. Now I'm seeing that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, So we want to bring some new insider controversy into the conversation. The one I wrote, I'm not going to do because this is our longstanding feud and it will stay that way (laughs) forever. We know the Bruins are the best. It's, it's done. It's good. (laughs) Let's stick to technical. And if you we, it, just let me know if we want need, if we don't want to talk about this, we don't have to do this either. But this is kind of interesting because we brought it up. What do you think is going to happen to virtual machines, especially since VMware got acquired by Broadcom and that's closing and, you know, very soon. Yeah. That's the team <clears throat> right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, VMs. I think VMs are interesting. I, I don't think the um, I, there there's there's a use for it. Um, is and I don't think we will see the end of VMware on our living souls. Um, the reason for that is like uh, there was a, a trend or. Like you've been in that business for uh, as long as I did, so we, there was a trend that all the uh, the manager or the they said, okay, we're going to go with open source KVM, blah blah blah, and all of those um, those free uh, hypervisor. Um, and I always stick to VMware because it was proven technology. Uh, it's it's being uh, QA'd, it's being uh, it's really solid. I don't say that KVM is not, uh, but you need to have like an army of people just to make sure that is it's always uh, to the standard that VMware is. And the one of the last projects that I worked on uh, at SAP was to replace all of those uh, open source um, wow. virtualization to uh, to bring uh, VMware all around. So they they signed a huge contract with. Uh, um, with VMware, which I guess is public now, and <laughs> they, 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 and they actually bought tons and tons and tons of licenses because all the data, all the data centers of SAP was uh, struggling with uptime. And now I, I don't know if you noticed, there's no, it's not in the news anymore. Uh, everything is back to be stable. Uh, customers seems to be happy, like because there was something in the market that was always like SAP is yeah. data center were not up to par to the standard of the the rest of the products. And so that's why I think VMware will stick. Um, so what do you think? So like, you're not making this very controversial. So what do you think will happen? <laughs> what do you think will happen? So we, like, I think we both believe, I, I believe that um, this idea of edge that you put forth, I think that's very true. I think we're going there. I think yeah. that's where our industry is headed in general. So do you think um, VMware will become more like uh 
Because there's, there's a lot of VMware installed, right? I mean, that there is a lot of VMware out there. So do you think um, in the future it will become more like the mainframes are? There will always be VMware, like there's always mainframes, but that's not going to be the primary. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't happen. know if you know this. They, they, um, <clears throat> they recently announced the, uh, the, the, the VMware Edge. So they actually built um, a, a smaller version of ESX to be serving smaller workload on the edge. So they, they already like have a feed in there. Um, so you think they're going to stick we'll, around? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will. Okay. I don't, I have no, it's one of those company uh, too big to fail. I, well, they always say that, but then they always do. They always do. But but if I but if I understand what you were saying earlier, when you're deploying containers and microservices, yeah. you don't necessarily need um, a virtualized server, right? Unless unless you're sharing a huge server and there's lots of people on the server. But if it's your server, you don't necessarily need a virtualized server because you're just deploying containers with different microservices, right? You're right. You're right. Uh, I, I offer both. So uh, within the, the 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 orchestrator or within the the data centers that I'm I'm I'm, I'm deploying right now, I have both. Uh, I have some servers that are bare metal, and I have servers on their VMs. Um, there's a trend in the telecom market right now, more in the uh, in the um, the edge provider that are putting big machines. Uh, just so that they can fill up the, the racks with more cores so that they get more value. Um, and my, my vision on edge is small server because I don't want to run, uh, 96 core machines on the edge because there's no value for me. I, I need to pick decision based on multiple side. And for the, the reason I told you earlier, uh, like the DDoS and everything, I don't want to smack, uh, 500 games into one server or depending on the uh, the number of the size of the container, but I, this is not something I want to do. So virtualization is still the key on that. Uh, yeah, to, to, to facilitate more. it. Yeah. Well, I, maybe we should have stuck with our... To say that, <laughs> was I supposed to say that it's going to die? <laughs> well, that wasn't very controversial, so maybe we should have stuck with our original one, but we won't bring everybody into our personal <laughs> feud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Phil, oh, seriously, what, 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 what do you think? What do I think about VMware? Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> I think eventually, it, I, I think that we went from mainframes to three tier, and now we're going to go to um, we are going to go to container based applications and all the rest of it, microservices. So yeah, but I, I do think that um, containers based on just what containers are, there are reasons to put them on virtual machines. So I think that will always exist. Um, the, the, the reason to use a virtual machine will always exist and be important, but I don't feel like we'll see applications deployed forever. Just a, I don't think applications are going to be built the same way in five years. So there won't be a reason to have um applications uh, you know vms for built out for applications like we've done it in the past so i kind of think that's so i, I kind of think the the emphasis will go away from building you know uh, v, building with vsphere and having these you know all of these complicated things it'll be more about how do the virtual machines support my um containerized environment 
So yeah. I think it'll be, yeah, agree. We'll, see, we'll see smaller deployments of VMs because of that, but the emphasis is going to be on uh, containers, containerized. There's another trend of like um, using VMs as container. Um, I don't know if you, you saw that the, uh, uh, just book my brain, I think it's uh, Fire VM or Fire something like that, Firebase VM, something like that. And I don't know. They are, it, it's actually a full VM with an hypervisor. But running on just running a container, so you could do a lot more segregation, um, uh, and that's a big thing because co- containers are sharing a CPU, yeah, uh, and you have a lot more access to the actual underlying uh, infrastructure. And if you want to do real segregation of process and make sure that they are not, um, you need to have an hypervisor. So the hypervisor will uh, will create that segregation of process between. Right. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that, but yeah, that's what I was talking about. Like just based on physically how, it, how VMs are and containers are, um, that's just how they work. Um, yeah. So we got to go. Um, but yeah. Phil, thank you for being, you know, letting us talk with you and being our first international guest. That's pretty cool. Um, but do you want to, do you want to have anything you want to pitch? Do you want to talk tell us where we people tell people where they can find you and where they can yeah. find edge gap maybe? Um, yeah, we, edgegap.com, um, and we have all the information there. Um, again, if you, if there's any need for, um, server orchestration, I would say, uh, I'm just paying it really large right now. We're focusing on gaming. Uh, however, every workload that is based on a container could be orchestrated on edgegap and we're bringing the workload where it needs to be around the globe. So there's no need to, um, to to own data centers take care of that part of it we will take care of everything for you um yeah cool <laughs> all right well thanks for coming <laughs> it was nice the, meeting the difference you. between a biz dev and a, and a cto what's that <laughs> the, the difference between a business development and a cto it's more like i'm focused on the tech I'll make uh. your shit. I'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got you. Okay, we have the butt. We can beep you out. Boop. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, and we'll wrap. We'll have you on again. We want to talk about that other that other thing too. That'll be good. Yeah. yeah many many other subjects down my uh, sleeve. Yes, I know. <laughs> All right, go Bruins. Okay. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Go. Bye bye. Bye bye. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye.